Tired of complex and high credit card processing fees? It's time to simplify. Whether you own a big business or a small startup, Empower Payments can save you money. Streamline your payment process while saving money today with Empower Payments. Learn more at EmpowerPayments.com. That's EmpowerPayments.com. Garrettson and Toth presents The Shift with Jack Johnson on ESPN Kansas City, 1510 AM and 94.5 FM. It is Thursday, and it's another edition of The Shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN Kansas City. I'm your host, Jack Johnson, alongside producer Jake Gutierrez. Well, even though we weren't on yesterday, uh, there's still time to go over some of the news that we missed during that slot. And it mainly involves the Kansas City Chiefs, as yesterday... Uh, they made, or might have been Tuesday now that I think about it. Last two days, we know that for a fact. Uh, the Chiefs made a roster move, releasing Marquez Valdez Scantling to save up some money, to store about $12 million in cap to use toward maybe an extension or to use toward signing another free agent to come in here. We know the Chiefs are going to be relatively busy this offseason, but we do know officially that the 2024-2025 Chiefs will not include MVS. And this was uh, very much seen. Uh, This was not a surprise to anybody. And I I think I want to open up with this, this talk of MVS because it does bring up a big question with fans of their their favorite team this can be you know football this can be baseball this can be basketball soccer hockey you know when you win the championship you win a super bowl you win the world series it pretty much wipes away any frustration or doubt you had about the future of the team or that team in general like no matter what happened in the regular season, no matter what bad loss happened, no matter what injuries you had to endure, stupid boneheaded play calls, it doesn't matter in the end if you win a Super Bowl. And that's the funny thing with MVS, is you flash back to December and November when MVS was a constant no-show and was dropping passes. Remember he had the big drop on Monday Night Football against the Eagles? He had the drop against Cincinnati, and it looked like he was blaming Patrick Mahomes for not putting it in the breadbasket. And everybody in Kansas City was just turning on him. Just get him out. He's poisonous. He's cancerous to the locker room. Just get him out. Then he stands in front of a microphone and kind of says something along the lines of, well, I don't know what you're talking about when he got criticized. I don't know what we need to improve on it. Nothing's wrong right now. So it was like the most tone-deaf lack of awareness moment for MVS. But then for one month, he just did enough. Right, he was pretty good against Miami. He was pretty good against Buffalo. He was great against Baltimore for one catch. And he had a touchdown in the Super Bowl. And now he gets to walk away from Kansas City. And even though he had the struggles, he had the drops, he might have had the tone-deaf moments... He's a two-time Super Bowl champion. Whether MVS was great or as he was, they won the Super Bowl both years he was there. And that's why it kind of takes the bitterness 
of his memory in Kansas City. I think it's the exact same thing as two other players. Maybe not to the extent because the other two players did a little bit more than MVS did this year. But like Frank Clark and Sammy Watkins were either not healthy in a handful of the years that they were here, or they weren't contributing in the regular season. Then the postseason rolled around, and Frank Clark became one of the best edge rushers uh, of any team in the playoff. Uh, Sammy Watkins started churning out 100-yard games. It was like when it mattered most, those guys showed up, and then when they were gone, when they were done, instead of looking at the contract they signed, instead of looking at all the no-shows, we only care about the postseason and I think that is the right way to go about it as a fan like if the Chiefs didn't beat Baltimore if they didn't beat Buffalo and they make this decision I think there's a lot of people in the comments there's a lot of people rejoicing and making fun of MVS because of the season he had but the fact that he had so many big catches in the playoffs he had a touchdown in the Super Bowl you can make the strong argument the Chiefs don't win the Super Bowl without MVS Because if he doesn't catch that long ball against Baltimore, who knows what happens? If he doesn't have a couple of big catches against Buffalo, who knows what happens? So that's the funny thing about sports. That's the funny thing about fandom. We are such a week-to-week thing. Now, one week somebody can shine and look really good, and you're like, that is the guy they have to play through. And the next week, they play horribly, they cost you a game, they become public enemy number one. And especially when you've got the the, um, stakes that Kansas City does every single game. Everybody gets your best shot. You're now gunning for a three-peat, which has never happened in NFL history. You know, you are going to be the spectacle. You're going to be the focus of every single Sunday. No matter who you're playing, you know that the entire world is rooting against you. So when they would lose these games and MVS would be the focal point, well, it turned all that hate and that anger toward him rather than just the team as a whole. We forgot about uh, the constant drives of, of no production. We forgot about the turnover, the bad pick by Mahomes, the, the fumble by Isaiah Pacheco or the fumble by Kelsey or the drop pass by Kelsey. It was always the biggest moment in which MVS made the bad play. And then in the playoffs, just as he did the year before, he became a different guy. He became a different player. And I'm not sure that MVS becomes the player that he do- did in the, re- the postseason, excuse me, if it wasn't for the support he got from his teammates and his coaches in the regular season, if they would have not had his back, thrown him under the bus, which they would have had every right to, I don't think he's even playing in the playoffs. I think he would have been a healthy scratch like Kadarius Tony was. The fact that Kadarius Tony was mouthing off and causing all these distractions, it was a no-brainer why he was a healthy scratch. You're clearly not focused and ready to play football right now. You're more so focused on yourself and why the team has wronged you and why everybody wrongs you and you're doing dumb things like that. But for MVS, you know, after he started getting criticized a little bit more, he just went quiet. And he gets to end his Chiefs career with a very impressive postseason, at least for the standard he set in the regular season. He achieved. He went above and beyond. And I think I can now turn it to you, Jake, when you look at players like this, the ones that don't really contribute in the regular season, but then in the postseason, they become a different player. They come up big. They have the big catch. It almost like erases everything they did for 17 games. Like, I guess the simple question to ask you is, how will you remember 
the MVS era for two years in Kansas City. Well, I mean, the thing I, I think first comes to mind out, well, the touchdown in the Super Bowl is huge. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, the fact that we can name huge plays, the the the, the third down catch to salt away the game against the, the Ravens that mm-hmm. basically sealed it. Yep. Um, but, I mean, he balled out against the Bengals. He did. I mean, he had over 100 yards. They absolutely don't go to the Super Bowl right. if it wasn't for him the year before. So, I mean, it's – I mean, you got to give a lot of credit to Brett Veach for bringing in guys who, uh, you know, even though they, they perform in the biggest moments. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the difference when you have a, a – you know, because they, they say football's the ultimate team game, and that's why. Because mm-hmm. one, there's 11 guys on the field, and one guy – you can run a play perfectly, and yeah. one guy screws up an assignment and blows the whole play. And that play could be the most pivotal play in the game. And so, I mean, you have to remember him fondly. Like He did his job. He came here and did his job. It was a successful signing. Mm-hmm. That signing was a great success. Now, I think, you know, it was it exactly what they had in mind when they signed him? I, I, probably not. Probably not. Probably not the production they thought they were going to get in the regular season. Probably not the, you know, the locker room presence that that they thought they were going to get after watching mm-hmm. him with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. But he came in here and he did his job and then some. Yeah. Right. That's like we brought we have you here, you know, the way the Chiefs play and, and kind of how you can see their approach, especially after watching last year, is like just just get us to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's that's yeah. what they they, you know, they were. They were just holding serve until they got to the playoffs, and they said, okay, the, now now this is this is what we know how to do. Mm-hmm. And he was part of that makeup. So, I mean, you can look at a guy like McCole Hardman, you know, how un, like just brutal of a season he was having for the Jets. He comes here and has an impact. You know, he was a little shaky, but, like, those are the mm-hmm. guys. Like, they, they bring in guys that they can trust in the biggest moments. Yeah. And, and when I say they, it's more like Patrick Mahomes can trust in the biggest moments. And it's like Frank Clark. Like, they they spent a first-round draft. Mm-hmm. They traded for Frank Clark. And that guy yeah. did, did nothing but once he got to the postseason, I think he's the third all-time. It's ridiculous. He was, like, right behind Derek. It was Yeah, he was right behind. Reggie White and, and one other player, uh, I thought. Who was it? Was Reggie? I think it was just Reggie White now that I think about it. Number two overall, then. I, I think he was, like, number two. It was ridiculous numbers right. like that. In, in the most postseason sacks. It's crazy. But he he was he was the man. He, was, he, would, he ended a lot of those games in that playoff run. I mean, huge sacks in the biggest moments. So it's like they have an eye for guys that, you know, and, and I don't know if it's having an eye for those guys or those guys just having the ability in them to answer the call, step up for their teammates. And, and think about the randomness of it, too. Like, Chris Jones went how many postseasons without a sack? Like, he'd get 15 and a half sack seasons in the regular season, go through three or four playoff games and not have one. Like, it wasn't until last year's AFC title game did he have his first, and he went berserk. He had, like, two and a half sacks in that game. Like, Frank Clark, I remember that first playoff game against Houston, the 24 to nothing game, he had three alone. And another funny part about it, too, is, like, with the wide receivers, Sky Moore last year, Kadarius Toney, McCole Hardman this year, like, all of these guys, we just forget 
what happened in the regular season. I, I think that's a part of being a fan. Like if you win a Super Bowl, you win you win the championship, it doesn't matter what happened in the regular season anymore. It doesn't matter about the drop passes. It doesn't matter about you know, even Kadarius Tony and all his struggles. I don't think Chiefs fans are now just forgetting because he didn't play really the last half of the season, but does it matter anymore? Like are we gonna go into next year being like, oh man, Remember that time that Kadarius Tony had the the ball knocked up in the air and the Lions returned it for a pick six? Like that was week one of the year before and they won a Super Bowl that year. You just don't remember it as much. The MVS drop against Philly. We're not gonna really remember it that much because we'd much rather remember his catch against Baltimore. Like that is I think that's also the beauty of, of this team. And why I believe we discussed this, Jake, how they were like the most likable. And the most <laughs> disliked at the same time. Like, this specific Chiefs team was easy to root for in the playoffs because week in, week out, they were doubted. This is where it comes to an end. They just don't have the offense. Uh, their defense will get exposed. Oh, you know, Patrick Mahomes isn't the same. And yada, 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 this and that. But they were so frustrating for the regular season. Like, they were so unwatchable at times that you're like, this is just the most unlikable Patrick Mahomes team. And it's because of guys that underperformed in the regular season. But it's so ceremonious. It's so ironic that in the playoffs it was some of those guys that were making the biggest plays. And back to the culture that is implemented in Kansas City. I used to get very fired up that after losses in which MVS would cost you, Tony would cost you, Hardman would cost you, and Andy Reid would take the podium and go, you know, that's on me. I got to clean it up. I'm like, I know you're not supposed to throw your players under the bus, but you're not really doing anything to fix the problem. But having a culture of we're going to handle it behind the scenes, we're going to make sure that we take care of business there, but we need to make sure that you are still available and mentally ready to go when it matters in the playoffs. And if they would have torn down those guys or if Brett Veach would have had the knee-jerk reaction like I wanted him to back then and just cut Tony or cut Sky Moore or cut MVS or cut Hardman, I can't say with confidence they win the Super Bowl. You would think it's such minor production, like, oh, they would have found it elsewhere. Well, we'll never have to wonder about that. Well, you probably could not put Tony on that list. True. I mean, he really wasn't a factor at any point no, this season. It, after after the the – Missed, I guess you'd call it a drop deflection in the Patriots game. He, yes. He never stepped on the I field think that was that. the last time he was on the field, yeah, if right. I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah. So it, it just. But what that does say is that, hey, we, they kept him around. They, for a while. Right? They, let him, they let him, him get postseason checks. Mm-hmm. So if it does say anything to the rest of that locker room, it's like th- they're yeah. not going to bail on us no matter how bad we wet the bed. Like the, the, these guys stand behind us, even even him out there, yeah, yeah, running his mouth and going on Instagram and mm-hmm. making that whatever that that live IG that he did, whatever mm-hmm. that was. I mean, I think eventually they got to him and said, "Hey, <laughs> you need to keep your mouth shut." Yeah, and he eventually quieted down. But it's it's just and funny. by the way, he's still on the roster. Oh yeah, I I don't think it does them really any good to just cut him. Uh, unless you get to camp and same issues are happening. Like, I know that it's it's easy to just like roster casualty cut him. If he gets forced out by a draft pick, then fine. I, I think it's an easy. But like right now, they just lost one of their wide receivers. Right. 
you know, it's going to maybe come down to Sky Moore or, or Kadarius Tony. I think I, they'd much rather keep Sky Moore than Tony. Well, they have more invested in him, and in, in, but <laughs> it, it, both those guys could be on the roster. Very possible. <laughs> it's true. Going into next season. And I guess this MVS story gives you some hope that maybe, just maybe, one of those guys can become a playoff factor. Because you just know, year in, year out with Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs are going to be there. And you need that guy to step up. That guy to still make the big play. Not like Rasheed Rice and Kelsey and Pacheco, who had to do it more often than others. But if you can have one big catch, two big catches, it can change the outcome of a game. And for us fans, like we saw the MVS post yesterday and it was like, oh, you know, let's let's give our thanks. You know, what what a what a great job he did. And if they didn't win the Super Bowl, it would have been completely flipped. Completely flipped. But after that, I would actually say that Buffalo game. He had a couple of big catches in the Buffalo game. I think everybody's feeling changed about him because he was showing up when it mattered most. Like the regular season is such a roller coaster of who you get frustrated with, who you're really liking. You know, I think Justin Watson was that guy for me, like game by game. Like, oh man, what a great catch by Watson. He just shows up time and time again, and then he'd have a drop. And I was like, why are we throwing to Justin Watson? Like, it's just, it's the roller coaster up and down. There were very few consistent contributors for the Chiefs. I mean, hell, there are even times that Travis Kelsey was costing them possessions, costing them games. Well, just think about the fumble he had against the, the it, Eagles. It was the Eagles, yeah. I mean, and it, Big throwing time. tantrums I mean, on the sideline. Yeah. And that, again, is why I go back to it was like the most likable and unlikable Chiefs team that you can remember because they had so many bad moments. So many. I mean, kind of crazy in the end of the day that this team won a Super Bowl with all that went on. And... You know, MVS was not the front and center of all that. I'd say nationally, like Kadarius Tony got a lot more talk about being the worst wide receiver than MVS really was. But we as fans, we as people that cover the sport, think more fondly of people if they just play well for like two or three games when it matters. We'll forget about the Sunday night game. We'll forget about the Monday night game. We care about what you can do in the playoffs. Like, back to the Sammy Watkins and Frank Clark, and for that matter, the MVS deal, all were overpays. Nobody can dispute the fact that they were overpays, but you will have people, if you ask them about it, was the Frank Clark deal worth it? They will say a hundred times over, absolutely. And I'd say the same thing, absolutely. Because he was the perfect fit for that defense, and he was also one of the leaders of that defense. He fit what they needed. He made a lot of money, but he also won two Super Bowls, got to three. You know, so you kind of forget about the money when you win. It's when you lose, you go, God, that was a terrible contract. Like Sammy Watkins was massively overpaid for what he did and how available he was. But he was great in the playoffs. He was great in that 2019-2020 playoffs. Huge games against Tennessee and San Francisco. Like, you'll never forget that. And you know what? It's important that I bring up the money because can anybody tell me without looking it up how many years, how much Sammy Watkins was making? I can tell you the years. I believe it was four. Like, for that point in time, and he was in his late 20s, 
It was a bit of an overpay, but the Chiefs did it, and it worked out for them because they won a Super Bowl. MVS, if you can recall this, the day Tyreek Hill was traded, he was signed. Like, it went from they traded Tyreek Hill to they've been negotiating with MVS, MVS is a Chief. Like, he was the first replacement for Tyreek Hill. And they kind of recreated Tyreek Hill with Juju Smith-Schuster and MVS, and they tried a little bit with Sky Moore, and then eventually Kadarius Tony. It was like combining four players to make one. But MVS signed a three-year deal north of $30 million. Was he worth that in the end? I mean, in terms of overall production, no. But it doesn't always work like that in the NFL, or any sport for that matter. You pay for the player that you're hoping to get honestly that that always feels like the misconception with overpays it's like i always feel like when you see somebody overpay it's like i'm paying you for what i think you will be over four years or five years very few times can you see them negotiate with a guy and go i'm going to pay you for what you are right now and only get a year or two out of you it's usually a player having the leverage and going i was great last year i want three or four years you know, I, I I think that this is one of those spots where a player's always going to have the leverage of, I was good last year, I can be good for three years, well, or maybe two of those three years. Especially at the wide receiver position. Yes. I mean, top-notch guys in their prime don't hit the market. I mean, when's the last like really big free agent that was in his prime that hit the market? Those guys get extended, they get kept. I mean, and then, you know, you see them, you know, when they're 29, 30 – you know, like a Mike Evans, like the, that's like that's when those guys hit the fr- and then those guys get overpaid and they are hardly ever worth that money at that point. Mm. I mean, yeah, Sammy Watson, he got three year, forty eight million dollar deal, and then he had restructured it to a nine million deal. I think yeah. he ended up getting making f- over three years, forty two million dollars. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's you know, it's. It's just a it's a world where do we really care about the money? Right? Do we really care about the money involved for a player if you win it? Well, no, but you do care when uh, you only care it's not your money obviously. Yeah, it's but, like I it, you can right, take care of that. But you care about the salary cap. Right? Yes. Because yes. like if it was baseball you're like spend. Yeah, spend just, as much as you can. Go spend. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Go buy that guy. But when it's the NFL there's a salary cap and you're like mm-hmm. Man, we're not only investing money in this guy, but it's like resources. Yeah. A limited resource. So it's like you, a guy like that's making, you know, 40 mm. double digit, you know, t- over 10, yeah, 10, 10 to 11, 12, 12 million. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's like, wait, we, you know, we probably, you know, he's not producing at that. He's not. No. And I think the last, the last couple of big time free agents the Chiefs have spent money on, have they really performed that level? Like, here we go. Juwan Taylor. Juwan Taylor got a big time contract. Yeah, I mean that. I think you can't say after one year. I think after two, two. Or I th- think he got better. He got better, but like, I think next year will be a pivotal year. If he does, sure. if he does the same thing he did this year, next year, then the answer is unequivocally no. Yeah. Now, if he comes back and is solid at right tackle and, and yeah. change, like gets in the rhythm, doesn't have those penalties, and it's like a stalwart on the on that line you're like okay that that's worth it that, that now i see uh-huh. why they went out and paid the big dollar for that that premium position yeah i 
I just I go back constantly and I'm like of how many flaws, how many things happen with this team. Donovan Smith, Jawan Taylor, Kadarius Tony, MVS, Sky Moore, um, you know, going on the defensive side of the ball. There weren't many guys you actually could pick apart there. Uh, Bolton had his criticisms, and now Bolton's going to probably be wanting big-time money, and people are, are so soon to forget the flaws, the mistakes, and go, we want a Super Bowl. We don't need to worry about who's tied up to, to what type of money. And that is just being a fan, right? They call you like one of the 53. Anytime you win a Super Bowl, it's like you are one of the 53. Every single one of you had some form of a contribution to help us get there. And for MVS, he may not have done much aside from one regular season game against the Chargers, but when he needed to be big, when he needed to have the the biggest performance of the season, he made a count. Buffalo, Baltimore, and San Francisco. No longer going to be a chief. His time has come to an end here in Kansas City. They release him to save $12 million in cap and hopefully use it to something more resourceful. We'll take our first break of the show. When we come back, let's go over that awful report card that the Chiefs got. Uh, not really painting Clark Hunt in a good light. Not painting the facility, the spending, the traveling, the nutrition. There's a lot of things the Chiefs did not score well on. But is it something we should be concerned about? We'll dive into that next on ESPN Kansas City. The Kansas City Chiefs have had plenty to celebrate the past two seasons. As back-to-back Super Bowl champs, they've been at the top of the class, at least on the field. Off it, however, is a different story. According to an anonymous survey of NFL players released Wednesday by the NFLPA, the Chiefs ranked 31st out of 32 teams when averaging the scores of 11 categories the union deems important to players. Among owners, the Chiefs' Clark Hunt comes in dead last. The big issue with Kansas City is they haven't lived up to the promises they've given to players. So they originally two years ago promised a new locker room. Uh, The Chiefs went out and won the Super Bowl and there was no new locker room to come back to the following year. So I think there's frustration amongst the guys. If we keep going out there and putting out a product, we keep winning Super Bowls. And yet nothing's ever reinvested back into our experience as a player here. Uh, Practice facility is something we're going to continue to think about. Uh, It's uh, coming up on uh, 20 years. Um, We certainly in a lot of ways have outgrown it. And uh, uh, we recognize that we have a need to expand it and modernize it. We are back here on The Shift on ESPN Kansas City. There you heard what we were going to talk about. Um, If the Chiefs were to receive these grades in school, uh, they would not be in school very long. I think the most jarring is that Clark Hunt got a grade that doesn't even exist. F- by the way, it doesn't exist. You can't get an F- in school. If you are in the 50 range it's just an f but clark hunt gets an f minus and i believe here's the full rundown of what they were graded on they only had one two three four five six passing grades and yes i'm counting d as passing which is not a a good thing to do not a a bar to set but technically if you've been through college you know that d's would be passing um For treatment of families, they got a D plus. For nutrition, they got an F. For food, C minus. Locker room, F. Training room, D. Training staff, F. Weight room, C plus. Strength coaches, C plus. Team travel, D. 
Head coach A plus, good for Andy Reid. Owner F minus. And I guess it begs the question: Do you care about these if the Chiefs are winning? That I think is the the one thing for the the fan to look at. Does this concern you? Because um, clearly. The Chiefs don't have issues winning with all these awful facilities and an owner that hasn't followed through with promises. Um, I think we're all fully aware of what Arrowhead Stadium is. You know, Arrowhead Stadium is a, a marvel. Okay, it's the loudest stadium in the world. It's tough to come into and win for opposing teams, that is. But I wouldn't say it's like the most pristine and glorious stadium out there. We, we've seen some pretty pristine looking ones, especially the ones that have been rebuilt, revamped. Like I've been to, and Jake, you have too, been to Lambeau. Like Lambeau's old as hell, but they've done great renovations to make that place look awesome. There's bar districts right around the stadium. So like even the oldest one, Soldier Field, another one. Like, they've updated it. They've renovated it. And the Chiefs, they've done some renovations. But then you look at, like, the practice facility and everything about it, and that's what it kind of comes back to. Now, I can't speak to the nutrition or the food. I don't eat it. Um, I think it is alarming that the training staff got a failing grade as well. I mean, these are guys that are supposed to be making your players healthier, working them out, physical therapy. It's not a good sign at all. I mean, even the weight room and strength coaches, that's the C plus. It's not good. Now, I will tell you this. Of the last handful of Super Bowl winners in Tampa Bay, New England, Kansas City, Tampa and New England both got Ds. And Kansas City, again, ranked 31st of 32nd, just ahead of Washington, which is not the team you want to be close with. Washington has been notoriously known to being a very poorly poorly run franchise. This, to me, goes back to one thing, and it is ownership. Right? You can't... None of this is grading out with Brett Veach. None of this is grading out with Andy Reid. I mean, Andy Reid got an A-plus here, but what I'm meaning is all the, the treatment of families, food, nutrition, locker room, training room, training staff, strength coaches, team travel, That's that's all owner stuff. That's spending money to make sure you've got the best stuff in place. And maybe it is, Jake, that when you look around the NFL, there's so many unbelievable facilities, so many unbelievable training rooms. Like, you you look at those uh, walkthroughs of, like, Cowboys Stadium and AT&T. You look at the one in Vegas. I mean, make fun of the Raiders all you want. Allegiant Stadium is gorgeous and stunning, and their facilities are top-notch because they just relocated. It's Las Vegas, a lot of money there to put in. But for Kansas City, I almost think at this point, maybe the winning has put all that on the back burner. Hey, this is masking all of the issues. Because the Chiefs last year graded out very poorly. And it sounds like some guarantees or some promises that have been made have not been followed through with and I'm not saying it's a catastrophic issue right now but it's also not good to have players grading you this poorly you want it to be a a perfect destination for for players you want it to be you know a spot where they can bring their families and they can feel good and not only are we winning I'm being treated perfectly maybe not perfectly that's too strong of a word but treated very well 
Like, you want players to come from other organizations that are like, man, the food sucked there, the, the locker room sucked, the training room sucked, but I love playing for Kansas City because I'm playing with the best players in the world and I've got the best facilities and, and all that. That's not the case right now. <laughs> it's not the case at all. I mean, I'm still baffled that Clark Hunt got an F-. minus. It's not a grade that even exists. It's not. And that's alarming. That, to me, of all these grades is alarming. I've seen failing grades. I've had failing grades before on tests, not for a whole class. You know, because I feel like that just goes into to not even trying. And maybe that is the definition of what we're seeing here. You get an F when you're not good at it and you're also not trying. You get a D, you're not good at it, but at least you're trying a little bit. You get a C, you know, it's kind of in the middle, half and half. B, A, E, you're doing pretty good for yourself. But an F minus, that is you're not good at it, you're not trying, and you're not willing to try. That is the part that needs to be addressed. I mean, you saw the rendering yesterday too, right, Jake, of Arrowhead Stadium. I didn't think anything was special. No, they were super underwhelming. Super underwhelming. It's like you're going to demolish Kauffman Stadium, which if the Royals go downtown to their new stadium, like do what you want with Kauffman Stadium. I love Kauffman Stadium. It's nostalgic. It's historic. But the only thing you could do there is like concerts. And I think they'd just much rather have an arrowhead. But it's like you tear down a stadium and you don't even add anything. It's just, hey, more parking. <laughs> How much parking do you need for a 80 80- Plus thousand a stadium. How much do you need? I like. There's no money put in there to to really make that stadium look nice, to make that facility look nice. The locker room, take care of the players there. You know, take care of all those players. Take care of their needs first. But man, of those renderings, it's like, what did we even see that was stunning? There was like a bridge, I think. There was a bridge and like this small, tiny little like football field that fans could walk on. It was like an entertainment area, like a tailgate party yeah, area. I guess they have one of those down at the uh, AT&T Stadium out in the parking lot. Yes, and I've seen one of those, but it's like, that that's not super enjoyable. $800 million? Really? Yeah. I mean, I, look, we won't know until they start actually putting it in, but those renderings were super underwhelming. They look super lazy. I mean, I I don't know. <laughs> it, it, look, yesterday was a bad, bad day for the look, the optics of the Kansas City yeah. Chiefs organization. Like like to your point, what matters when you're a free agent coming to Kansas City? What are you gonna pay me and are we gonna win? Mm-hmm. That's it. I mean, these are just they're kind of black eyes. You you don't ever really wanna be you know, down with the the Washington Commanders for any reason, no. or, or you know, mentioned with Carolina. Um, I mean, a lot of the. I mean, also they're falling behind because look how many teams have brand new stadiums oh, across man. the league. You know, Minnesota, Vegas, SoFi with two teams there. You know, um, the Cowboys is recent. Seems like the Niners upgraded. Yeah, they went from right. Canada. I mean, it's. Not as recent, but they've had some form right. of a change in the last ten years, and so you know Arizona the last fifteen years. Mm-hmm. It's, so it's like you're going to fall behind, but it's also like you know you look at teams at the top of the list. You know, yeah. 
the Dolphins, I mean, they redid all of that down in, in you know, at Hard Rock is the name. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, the Packers are at the top of the list. They're yep. number three. You know? So it's like you want to be these, this iconic franchise. Well, you, you need to act like it. Mm-hmm. You need to act like it because you have teams like I've been down to Jacksonville. Mm. It, it, it's, I mean, it's meh. It's a dump. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did a lot of games in Jacksonville, unfortunately. But, I mean, it shocks me that they're top five, you know, according to the NFLPA, great Taking cards. care of their players. Yeah. So, I don't know. They have some work to do, obviously. And, you know, when they were at the bottom of the list last year, I believe Clark Hunt's response was, well, let's wait till next year. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, wait we did. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. It's it. It's not a good look, and it's especially not a good look when you're, you know, trying to hit up the the public for, you know, five to six hundred million dollars and say, hey, you know, we're going to look elsewhere if you're not supported, if this doesn't pass on the ballot coming up. You know, it's just it's tough. But, you know, also it's like they're winning championships and it's like Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes makes everything better. I mean, mean, that's it's like you don't even care. Make sure those two guys are happy. Yeah. It's like they they speak highly of the organization. You know, they're always, you know, Andy Reid's always like, I like to thank the Hunt family and Mark Donovan for for putting this together and everything, like Brett Veach and all that. So you just think, oh, winning. Players seem happy. Everything's all good. But you have to keep up with this. As you said, the new stadium part of it is very important. You know, Dolphins are another team that, you know, you you build a new stadium or you renovate it and make it look like a new stadium. You you can start keeping up with these other teams, but you can't be at the bottom of the barrel with the awful teams in the NFL. You need to be in the middle. Look, I mean, I think that you just you're you're in that middle third, you know, Mm -hmm. anywhere from 20 to 30, 18 to 30. Yeah, not 30, 18. You're just in that middle, you know, you Stay out out of the mid twenty. You're not a talking yeah. point, basically. Anywhere from eighteen to twenty four, and you're good. Yeah, that's, and that's a low bar. And do you think it's do you think it's almost a neglect because it's hey we're winning and we're focused on winning football games here. We're not focused on you know the glamour and and the the shininess of everything. Because uh, I don't know. I mean, it smells like cheap. It, it does. Smells like you're just being cheap. And this comes from the players. So I mean, look, there are stories about Lamar Hunt and how historically cheap he was. Mm-hmm. Like he would be flying commercial, like <laughs> in coach. Yeah, like there, there are those stories. Yeah. Like, and I'm I'm talking about like, you know, a, a, a billionaire mm-hmm. flying commercial, and so it's like that's that was his mentality. Now does that pass on trickle to, down? To the kids? Yeah, I, I don't know. I can't really speak. I, I don't have any. I mean, I've been around Clark Hunt. In a professional setting, you know, we, we've interviewed him on the Border Patrol before. You know, we sat down and, and had an interview with him. Seems like a nice guy. I, but, like, how do you really know one's, you know, spending tendencies <laughs> when just sitting down with him? So it's like, it smells like cheap. That's, that's to me, it's like you're just being cheap. Yeah, I mean, I would say for me personally, if I was a player and I'm looking at stuff that I would love to – no, really grayed out well. You know, at least getting in the B range. Like, I, I can do this for an entire year. I love the food and nutrition. To be graded highly, food was a C-. minus. Nutrition's an F. 
I like the treatment of families and travel to be good. Like if I'm my family, my wife, my kids, my mom, my dad, grandparent, whoever, whatever the players are choosing, who they're the one to bring the games, I'd like for them to be taken care of. And clearly these players are like, no, they don't take care of our of our family members when they travel or when they come to games. You know, I think weight room and strength coaches, I would like that to be okay. But, like, I would say the food, nutrition, and the treatment of families and travel would be very important to me. And the Chiefs don't grade out well on that. They don't grade out well on pretty much anything but head coach. You can take the C-plus and, and say whatever you want about it. But the fact that there's this many failing grades, ugly grades, it's something to watch because the Chiefs were bad last year. And yeah, we'll all forget about this in a few weeks. We won't, you know, be bringing this up every single show. We're not going to do that because this is the same thing that happened, as I mentioned, last year. But an F minus. An F minus is, is very telling. That tells me there's venom toward the owner. Uh, that's telling me that when players are not getting things done for them, or being treated properly, a lot of their anger goes toward the owner because, you know, you can say, oh, the nutrition, it's an F. You know, a locker room's an F. But you get to the owner and it's an F minus. You can imagine that some players are very, very frustrated with how they're being treated when they play for Kansas City. The winning and how much they're getting paid is important. That absolutely is important. But it's more than just that on this list. Way more than just that. Uh, some other teams that graded out poorly, as I said, New England did not grade out very well. That's a very decorated franchise. Tampa, who won a Super Bowl over Kansas City a few years ago, they did not grade out well. Cincinnati did not grade out well. And then it was like Miami and Minnesota, the top of the list. A plus, A plus. And no, those teams have not been very successful. Successful for a really long time. In fact, I think Dan Lebetard had a... Uh, had a segment the other day or some point this week of things that have happened or what was going on the last time the Dolphins won a playoff game. Like Tom Brady wasn't even drafted yet. It, Bill Belichick was in year one in New England the last time Miami won a playoff game. Like, But still, new stadium, new facilities, got good structure there, nutrition, dieting, food, team travel, all good. Right, So if that is important, I mean, you're going to be bringing in free agents, which, you know, maybe at the end of the day, that's why Tyreek Hill wanted to go there. Hey, a lot of stuff's going to be great there. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I think it was the money. Uh, money, too. Money, too. Money, probably more than the rest. He wanted to be in Miami, and he and wanted get to paid. get paid. He would have stayed here. I mean, I, he would have rather stayed here. Do you think, though, something He would have like rather this- stay here, if, if all considering money-wise. True. True, he would have been more decorated at this point. And he would have a couple more rings. He would. Do you think that's a selling point, though, now? Like, if you're Minnesota or Miami and you're going through free agency, I know, obviously, the salary cap is going to play a factor here. If you can't pay anybody, you can't pay anybody. But if you're trying to win out a battle with somebody that is competing with the same type of financial power that you are, can you throw this in their face? Great facilities. Great nutrition, great strength coaches, great locker room. We take care of the families. I think the fact that how how much the Chiefs have won in in the past five years trumps all that. I think it trumps all that. I I think it would too. I think middle tier, like if you're deciding between team, like 
you know, if money's the same, all considering, mm-hmm. and you're trying to decide, you know, look at some of those middle teams. Like, you're trying to decide between, say, Atlanta and the Raiders. Mm-hmm. You know, Atlanta ranks 25th on that list. The Raiders are ninth. And the money's the same. That's when it probably matters. Yeah. That's when it probably matters. That's a good point. I, I don't think it matters. Like, when you are have a chance to go play with a couple of Hall of Famers and maybe one of the top three coaches of all time. Don't turn that down. Right. And I mean, you're going to be like, oh, would you rather go play for the Chargers or the Chiefs? Ask Drew Tranquil. And he did speak very highly of Kansas City at the Super Bowl parade. Right. How he's so much better than L.A. And where does L.A. rank there? <laughs> Third to last. Okay, they're, so they're, they're not one spot ahead of the Chiefs, which shocks me. Which does really shock me when right. you have a shiny new stadium and shiny new facility. And maybe that's what Chavarius Ward meant, like when they asked what's what's better about San Francisco, and he said everything. You know, yeah, he's on the podium, and he's like, "It's better being in San Francisco. It's better, yeah, better, better on the other side. What's better about it? Everything. You know, and the Niners are number six on that list. I almost wonder too if it, a player who's grading out on this like is no longer with the team. You know, maybe didn't get the playing time they wanted. Not to say that they did just hijack these these votes, but I wonder if there were some guys that didn't enjoy their time because they weren't getting playing time, and it was like, hey, I'm going to to say how bad all the the facilities were, the locker room were, how we were treated. Whereas if you're playing a lot and you're winning a lot, as you said, it, it masks a lot of things. Hey, I'm I can deal with a subpar locker room, subpar strength coach, or subpar training staff if i'm winning a lot of games it's clear that it's not impacting us that much and i think that would be the trump card right that would be the trump card of about all these failing grades did it affect them on the field no no it did not did they have injuries that lingered um i mean i think they were very closed off about injuries like joe tooney for example like, really tried to play. I'm not going to say, like, oh, the training staff sucked. That's why he wasn't ready to go. It was a torn peck. Like, Charles O'Menehue had a torn ACL. You couldn't rapidly fix him. You know, maybe uh, Kadarius Tony with his hip injury, which he said wasn't real. Maybe that's a part of where they, they grade out poorly. They're giving out fake injuries so guys don't play. But, again, um, I think Miami would use it as a selling point. Minnesota would use it as a selling point. But Jake brings up a great point of, if they're not winning, do I care more about how I'm treated or to be in a relevant franchise, beyond the relevant franchise? And for some of these teams, unfortunately, they're not winning enough for free agents to look at that place and go, I want to be there. Like, free agency this year, the Chiefs, if they approach you, go, do you want to be a part of a three-peat quest? Whereas... Maybe Miami, who I do like Miami a lot, their selling point is we got great food and great training staff people. We've got a great locker room to treat your families well. Team travel's good. Now, not saying the Chiefs just shouldn't improve this. I think they should. Just for the treatment of the players. You need to reward guys that are winning championships for you. That, to me, is a very important thing. Yeah, I mean, especially when you're looking at guys like you know look at Mike Evans right? yeah he, he's won a Super Bowl and say the Chiefs offer him the same amount as Jacksonville Jaguars mm-hmm. where do you think he's going yeah hey, Jaguars City. are the fifth on the list and the Chiefs are 31st <laughs> yeah. so it's like I think the, the most important thing is the money 
Yeah, it is. It is, and then probably second to that would be the how good is this team. Right. Now, some guys, right, you look at a – I remember I saw like a a mock free agent deal, and it was Evans or T. Higgins. I know T. Higgins is going to be franchise tagged or already is, uh, going to like Carolina. Like some guys are going to go, money's all I care about. I can go be a number one and get paid boatloads of money. Or you can be the guy that says, I'll take a discounted deal and go win games. And then you get there and you go, oh, well, man, the facilities are not very good here. But, hey, they're winning. Right. I mean, right. It, it, if you're looking at playing meaningless football games, mm-hmm. like when you're with, if you sign a team like Carolina, uh, you're playing meaningless football games. For the entire year. Right. Not one game that matters aside right. from maybe week one. Right. So, I mean, I don't know. It's For me, it's uh, pay me. <laughs> are we going to win? And then – you know, and then these other things would be great if I right, have them. I yeah. think it's also like if we're if you're job hunting, you go there and you say, "Well, how much is the job? How much am I getting paid? Two, and what are my responsibilities going to be? How successful is this company? And who am I working with? And who am I working with?" Then three would be like, "They have a good break room. They have a good cafeteria. I can go down and eat at. Uh, do I get you know a, a company car? Like those are. And then if you don't get them, it's like, oh, that sucks. But then." You're there long enough, which I'm sure with some of these players that voted, you're there long enough or you leave on bad terms. Like, that place sucked. Their food sucked. They gave me like two vacation days. Like, that's all the stuff that kind of filters in behind. And then for Clark Hunt being the owner, that would be the equivalent of the owner of the company. Maybe not your boss. I think the boss would be like, it'd be like, you know, Andy Reid's the boss of the company. You love working for him. We get stuff done, and then his boss, right, is the one that just cuts everybody short. You're not getting paid as much. You're you're, you're sizing down uh, in the company, and, and maybe that's what it comes down to: is that it's a very good workplace environment, but it brings them closer together. If all these other things aren't great, but cheers for the second straight year. Do not grade very highly in numerous factors of their facilities, their treatment of players, travel, nutrition, dieting, food. A lot of Fs, a lot of Ds. But at least one A-plus was their head coach in Andy Reid. There's Ray Charles, so it's time to go. That wraps up another edition of The Shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN Kansas City. I've been your host, Jack Johnson, alongside producer Jake Gutierrez. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 10 AM. You take it easy, Kansas City. Say! Hit the road.